You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Carter comes up shooting. Hey guys, how you doing today? I am Brandon Kajoka, and with me as usual is my partner in crime, Mr. Gregory Yoroshadis, or Dr. Gregory Yoroshadis. Sup? So, we're in the thicket of the first round of the NBA playoffs. We're going to go a little, uh, I guess, matchup-by-matchup analysis, but right now, we're going to talk about a few off-court issues, starting with the Phil Jackson fiasco. How's that sound, Greg? Always down to talk about the Zen Master. Okay, so going into that, there was a little bit of an issue this week with Phil Jackson and the NBA Players Association. Um, Phil more or less insinuated early this week that Carmelo Anthony would be better off playing in with another team. Uh, in a response by the NBA uh, head of players, the, NBA, the head of uh, NBA Player Association, uh, Michelle Roberts, essentially said, "We voiced with the commissioner today our view on the inappropriate comments by Knicks president Phil Jackson. If players." under uh, contract cannot under threat of lead discipline speak openly about their desire to be employed elsewhere we expect management to adhere to the same standards the door swings both ways when it comes to demonstrating loyalty and respect greg where do you stand with phil jackson and his legacy in the nba right now is he tarnishing his legacy or does he have like a grand scheme of how to usher in the knicks back into relevance we'll get to the zen master in a moment i would just like to acknowledge that we have been joined here in studio by none other than Ben Hot Knives Gwilla. And I am uh, forcing him to sit down with us in this panel. Um, ben, have a seat. Discussion panel. So, Ben, how do you feel about Phil Jackson? I have nothing to contribute. <laughs> you look wet. You look wet. Soaking outside. Soaking outside. Absolutely. It, Mother Nature is a green-eyed slut. But going back to Phil, Greg, I know you're a big Phil guy. Fan and a biography. feminist. If we could not use the word slut in the podcast, that would be great. <laughs> look, okay. Presortively, me, okay. Yeah, look, if if I could say first, did you read the Phil Jackson book that I gave you? Yet, that book was actually given to me by one Ben Gwillem. Actually, two years ago. Now, did you read that book? Did you skim it? Skim it. Okay, you skimmed it. Even if you skimmed it, you probably took a few things away from it. The first being is that Phil Jackson has been around basketball forever. Okay? Probably, what, 40 years in the NBA? Professional basketball? Right? And secondly, so uh, I guess back to the first point, he knows basketball. Okay? And secondly, former player as well. Former player. Former coach, championship winning player, championship winning coach. The winningest coach of all time. His book was called The Soul of Success. The second point that you got from reading that book is probably that the man is psychologically astute. Okay, And what he's doing right now, and I know uh, it's a little bit, you know, he's playing in a gray zone. Uh, I agree with the comments uh, made by the individual that you referenced the head of the Players Association or the representative of the Players Association. Yeah, Michelle Roberts. Um, But look, this is Phil 
trying to play head games with his star players in the age of the celebrity athlete. Okay? He's trying to assert his dominance in that organization. And that's incredibly hard in today's game, especially when you have someone making $100 million with a no-trade clause. Now, mind you, he gave him that no-trade clause. Okay, But I think part of the contract was that Melo would show up defensively, show up as a team leader, and he hasn't done that. So what's the harm in saying, hey, we're not winning basketball games? He's at a point in his career where he can't give us the type of production that we need. And you know what? I care about the young man. I want him to win. Let him go to the Clippers. We could work out something that's mutually beneficial. Greg, I understand you're a coach, and that book kind of taught you a lot of life lessons that exist beyond the context of some, you know, of on-court play. You know, the metaphor of what Former the, athlete of as what well. the rings represent, but, you know, his kind of, like, yogi sort of as perspective <laughs> the of The Zen sport. master. Uh, Phil Jackson is a hack, okay? Phil Jackson has no business being the NBA right now. I basically, he's essentially like a, like a former thoroughbred right about to be slaughtered and put to the glue factory, and he's being thrown out to release a Kentucky Derby. The man cannot compete with the pragmatic, irrational minds that exist in the modern landscape of the NBA. The guy is alienating his fan base, he's alienating his best player in his team, and he's alienated the former, the future face of the organization, Chris Abbott's Porzingis. That is the most alarming thing thing in this situation when Phil Jackson is trying to be more of a notoriety or a bigger presence on the team and he's alienating a unicorn than Kristaps Porzingis a guy who can lead that team back into relevance listen I know your frustration with Carmelo Anthony he hasn't improved the two-way play as an NBA player but beyond from that when Kristaps Porzingis is refusing to go to his end of season meeting yeah clearly there's an issue with the yeah. philosophy and if, culture of that organization so, so, and that so is led by Phil Jackson if I could just quickly say you mentioned the two-way player. Carmelo Anthony makes max contract, right? He is in the category of Paul George, LeBron James, Kevin Durant. What do all those, those three guys do? They play two-way basketball. They play winning basketball. So you're, Carmelo insinuating, Anthony, he so you're insinuating he deserves no respect because he I'm has, insinuating you can't win a championship with Carmelo Anthony He can as be a, a part of a championship team, though. He can, can be an opponent of a championship team. You need to team. bring in guys that can balance out his individualistic nature. Right. The guy is a, is a black hole. With offensive ball movement, right. right? And defensively, he just doesn't work. Look, this is why George Carl came out and said the things that he did in his book, yeah, calling but them AAU babies. Schematically, right? if Carmelo Anthony was on a team, or a coach rather, who could facilitate an offense to demonstrate his skill set, like Woodson did a couple years ago when the team won 52 games. Carmelo Anthony is a viable basketball player. They won those games because the Jeff East Hornacek is forced to run an archaic offensive scheme running the triangle. Phil Jackson okay. is forcing that down every player's fucking throat. Two things. First of all, there is nothing archaic about passing and moving in triangle format. That is in all sports. Okay? Set and every team runs elements of, of the triangle. The What's New York Post hold on. The New York Post blows it up because they don't understand the conceptual nature of the triangle. And second of all, they won those games back then because Amari Stoudemire had a rejuvenation. Then they brought in Carmelo, right? And now look, and about Christoph Porzingis, look, young man, you may be unhappy with the drama in your organization. You are paid, right? You are paid a ridiculous amount of money, and you are a second-year player that didn't really have that great of a year. Get your ass to the end-of-season meeting. 
period. Ben, your thoughts? That's right. Go, 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 going into what you just said there, like I, 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 I'm just befuffled. Like I, you're, you're giving is Phil that a Jackson. Word? I just made up a word to befuffled. That's Add it to Urban Dictionary. It's it's in my Urban Dictionary because I am from the mean skeets of Scarborough. Because you are the hot take artist. I am the hot take artist of Toronto. The official only hot take artist. Sports Nation, you aren't shit compared to me. Sorry, con- continue this conversation. I I just. Let's agree to disagree I think, on Phil I think today and, and pick this up next week because you know it's gonna be you know it's gonna be back on the show. You know we're gonna this is something that me and the hot take artists have been going after each other on for probably the the, the last two years. To be clear, I'm not a hot take artist. I'm the just sort of joking and myself as a hot take artist. The original hot take artist. The the I'm the upper I'm the original Upper East Side Scarborough hot take artist. There we go. I will label myself. Let's get that. to the playoff matchups. Alrighty, I'm gonna roll it out. Starting with the Raptors versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Game oh. three tonight. Tip off eight o'clock. Greg, what are your impressions of Game Two, and what do we need to carry over into Game Three to ensure that we go up to one? <laughs> you know, you know, Brandon, I I have to uh, quote your brilliance. You know, I came in here today and said, oh yeah. What, uh, are, are you excited about today? What do you think is going to happen? And you go, I honest to God, I have no idea. And I, I think that's, I think that's what every Raptors fan sort of feels like. Well, I think it stems from consistency. Yeah, pass a game from Larry DeRose and the guys who need to show up offensively, you know, play the way they need to play. My biggest issue, and we've seen it in the past few playoffs, can they kind of carry that? Over to the next game. They have been incredibly inconsistent, nah. specifically Kyle Lowry. Do you think they're going to show up tonight? Yeah, and I got to call out. I got to call out. You know, I, I listen to. I'm not going to name names, but I listen to a, a podcast on the Raptors from time to time, and uh, <laughs> the after, you know there was a reaction podcast to Game One, and it was like the sky was falling, man. Like these guys were just panicking on air like they were all depressed calling out Lowry's psychological issues and it's like it's one game man right it's a this is a series this is why they couldn't be coaches they're pissing themselves they're shitting the bed wait get a sample right give give them a few games you and if you're any type of Toronto fan you know they're gonna lose the first game yeah, that's, that's just what we do. But that's indicative okay. of the Toronto sports fan in general. The second something goes bad, people start shooting their arms. hands and throwing their arms. You know, look, so let's see what's going to happen tonight. Because what you saw in Game 2 was a tremendous performance by Kyle Lowry. Right. Absolutely tremendous. What a way to answer the critics. And you know what? Look, honestly, they'll win if they give JV the ball. They'll win if they give JV the friggin' ball. Shut out of the last 14 minutes of the game. Game well, 2. Well, yeah, look, offense, look, defensively, our best lineup doesn't have him in it. Fine, but but when he's out there and he's got deep position, give that man the basketball. Play bully ball. That's that is playoff basketball, brother. I think that's how you win games in the postseason. You post up in the postseason and you throw it down. That is the Stephen A. Smith inspired hot take hour, but sponsored by Gregory Rashadas. I got respect. I got respect for Stephen A. I okay. respect. I respect his game. No, I just you know I love what JV did when he came. When game two started. You know he looked like he wanted. He had something to prove. Game one was kind of a lull, and JV came out like a bat of hell. But I think if his aggression was kind of a detriment to his overall performance. Well, because. Because he's not getting the touches, when he gets it, he wants to do too much with it, right? And how do you ask a guy to be your main rebounder? When you're not running any plays from him. When you're not even giving him a touch on the ball, but you want him to do the dirty work? 
Now, look, again, I, I, I understand his uh, limitations, mm-hmm. but I also understand his strengths. And you have to play to his strengths, right? Or else he's not going to do the dirty work for you that's going to win you basketball games. So I'm calling tonight, if JV gets more than 10 shots, the Raptors are going to win the game. If he gets more than 10 shots. And you call me the hot take artist. Moving on to uh, Norman Powell. Another DNP last night off the bench. What yeah. do you think of Norman Powell? Does he deserve to be relegated to the bench for the entire series? Is it a matchup issue? Could he be a contributing member off the bench? Alon Wright's getting more minutes. He's Powell's in. He's playing. he's in Dwayne Casey's Plan B rotation. He's given the minutes to other guys. Uh, Norman Powell has been inconsistent since the Terrence Ross trade. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to, to the playoffs, you go with the guys that you uh, believe will give you a consistent effort. And obviously the rotation is cut down uh, because in the playoffs you don't play as many guys. There's more breaks. Of course, the sponsors need to get their time in. I think it's just DeLon Wright's a substantially more responsible ball handler. You know what I mean? He's more well, of no, like a no, rational, no, 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 no. The two don't play the same position. Well, no, like I'm saying, he's a better defender. Position. They put yeah. Curry Joseph, DeLon Wright on the court. As oh, yeah. Secondary bench he, he's replacing Norman Powell. And team. and to be honest, I think Giannis Antetokounmpo was just too long for for uh, Powell if he would go out there and try to guard him. No, I'm not, I, I, you know, like... Like watching the small sample size of Norman Powell play this year and the year before, you know, I I I was thinking when we traded Terrence Ross, Norman can kind of slip into that role of that heat check, immediate offense off the bench sort of guy. Yeah. Why hasn't he been able to kind of um, because he doesn't that role because that he doesn't have a consistent three point shot and teams are playing off him. He needs to develop that first. Like it, that man is incredibly impactful when he has space. He was a sprinter at UCLA. The man is an elite, elite, elite athlete. Uh, but his 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 skill set needs to get a little more refined before I think you can get a consistent effort out of the young man. Alrighty, moving on to the upset we called last week: the we Boston Celtics it. and it the was Chicago called, Bulls. It was called right here, along with every other basketball show actually <laughs> and we're across just gonna, the country. We're going to ignore all the other you know fuck ups we made last week, and we're just going to clearly talk about you know our what we got right Nostradamus inspired predictions but <laughs> is what's going on with Rojan Rondo what do you mean what's going on he's playing back in the garden yeah he was always a good player he was always a good defender he was always a good ball handler he was always a good passer he's a bit of a head case but he's back in the garden at, to the team that that he parted ways with and he's got two superstars playing beside him and he's drawing the defense he's kicking it and old man Wade is showing up we always knew Butler would show up and look, like I'm not saying the Celtics are done yet. Like I don't, I, I don't have much faith in the Bulls either. They'll probably, they'll 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 probably lose a game in Chicago. The question is, can Boston respond when it goes back to Boston? They have to get the next game in Boston. I think with the Chicago Bulls, and I'm going to steal a line from my least favorite rapper of all time, Meek Mill, there's levels to this shit, young boy. And what I'm trying to get at is that when I look at the Chicago Bulls, I see guys on their bench and their starting five yeah. that have another gear. Dwayne Wade's three-point shot is a revelation in the playoffs. It, makes it always happens no in the playoffs, yeah. But he shoots 500 from three-point for some reason. Rojan Rondo because he's is big playing time. out of his goddamn mind right now. Exactly. That was my issue with the Raptors. I, I you know, I, I still kind of stick to this. I don't think Lowry and DeRozan have that kind of next level that we're talking about with guys, you know, who kind of you know maintaining sort of a mediocre play throughout the season and kind of showing up but in the their playoffs. team is structured in a different way such that you don't need always to have next level performances like the bulls they need butler and they need wade to be superstars mm-hmm. 
Like, not even stars. They have to be superstars. No. Uh, I don't think the Raptors are built that way. I think we generate a lot from our, our, our defense. We have, you know, the Raptors are, are built like the Detroit Pistons the, of the 2000s. That one... That championship and went and Richard went to the final. Yeah, Richard Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, uh, Ben Prince, Wallace, Tayshawn Prince, Rashid Wallace. Like a team of five good players instead of just two great ones. Um, so you have to keep that in mind. Whereas Chicago is built around superstar ball. And against Boston, which is like the deepest team probably in the playoffs, but has the least stars, it seems to work. I think the biggest thing I'm taking away from this is just Rojan Rondo's ability to recognize patterns that he learned playing under Brad Stevens. You know, you could see him sort of like he's kind of like eh, it's not about recognizing that. He's just a baller, man. He's not about playing under Brad Stevens. He was playing under Doc Rivers before Stevens and and winning NBA finals. Like the guy can play basketball despite his poor jump shot. Right. Right? And what's up with your boy Brad Stevens? The greatest when, coach of when all was time. Brad Stevens ever my boy. This guy was on to Brad Stevens back when he was coaching at Butler. And I you know like what? Butler because he almost beat white privileged Duke. I'm a white supporter of privileged Butler. Duke. You heard it here first. I'm just kidding. Who is the face of white privilege in the NBA? Uh, oh my God, Spencer Hawes, 100%. Spencer Hawes is the face of white privilege. Aren't in the man NBA. buns done? Like, isn't that like a like a fucking 2015 fad? being a little judgmental on Spencer Haas? No. I agree. I'm just trying to think what year that went out in. Ben? Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. There we go. Yeah. History will not look kindly upon the man bun. (laughs) I I just, like, I don't know why, but, like, I always feel like white guys who are really tall who can shoot a three-point shot always will have a higher ceiling. Like, I always thought Bob McRoberts was going to be, like, a legitimate starting five player when he was playing for the Bobcats, and he just never developed into like a. Le- I don't know, maybe I'm just being. But racist. we digress. <laughs> um, moving next, on. Next series to the Washington Wizards and the Atlanta Hawks. What is happening, Dwight Howard? Greg, six points at twenty minutes last night. He's Me, falling off, man. Marcin Gortat looked like a goddamn all star. He's falling off. He's a player based purely on athleticism that never worked on elements of his game to make himself. Um, you know, to increase his, his longevity. Mm-hmm. And players that play that way, uh, they don't have as long of a lifespan. Right. That, that, that's just my opinion. No. And, and and when you're getting, like, bullied by by Gortat, like, you need to look yourself in the mirror because you're the still, he's still probably, maybe John Ray Jordan is, is, more, is, more, is more now, but he's still, like, a force. And he needs to attack and use it, right, well, I think and this work. might be big motivation for him. You know, Gortat was his backup on the Magic. You know, it's... Having your backup that, from five, six years ago right. completely dominate you. But, is but maybe be a... it's it's that's why Gortat is coming out so motivated because he's like, hey, I was your backup and now it's my time. And, you know, there's some like when you have Millsap and Howard and you're complaining that the Wizards are being too rough with you and you have those two big bodies like man the fuck up. Right. Like you got to increase the intensity. You got to bring it. Mm-hmm. His his defense was absolutely disgusting last night. No, his knees remember Ben contesting shots. Who's so that? Hands up. Dwight Howard just looked. Abs- he looked. He was a fucking half cadaver out there. Because his he knees are barely- done, man. Yeah, but still, there was no effort. Hands were not up. No physical like. Wizards like, in horrible five. Horrible body language. Wizards in, general, in five. Defensively. So going with the Washington Wizards looked absolutely fantastic last night. Bradley Peel and John Waller proving to everyone that they could potentially be the most dynamic duo in the NBA. No. Absolutely not. I said one of the. Oh, okay, one of the. Okay. 
Going Maybe. Up, going with that, though, do you are, you are you a little scared of the Wizards as no. a Raptors fan? I know we're kind of looking no. a little bit no. beyond from this no. matchup now. I'm Why not. aren't you afraid, Greg? Um, inside, they don't have the length. They just don't have our length. And, and that matters a lot. And I think we can really take advantage of that. I don't know. I think the gortat Valanchunas matchup would be pretty comparable. No, Gortat's too stubby. He's stubby. He's thick, he's strong, but he's stubby. And JV can get that hook shot all day on him. And Ibaka, and, uh, I think, like, we could play Ibaka at the center against that team and it would be fine. Right. I think you're undervaluing Markeith Morris. We've had this conversation last hey, week. Hey, let's but talk about this to... when we beat the Cavs. It's irrelevant now. When we beat the Cavs. Yeah, uh... but that's what I mean. Like, we, we won't <laughs> play them until then. We'll see then. How can the Hawks win game three? What do they need to do? I said this last week. Bring back Dominique Wilkins. Okay, there we go. <laughs> bring back the the week Hu- or the fucking the human nickname. highlight film of the 1980s. There we go. So moving into the last matchup discussed for the Eastern Conference, we got the Cleveland Cavaliers playing the Indiana Pacers down 2-0. What do the Pacers need to do to win Game Three? Can they win a matchup in the series? Uh, uh, Lance Stevenson bring the energy. Paul George keep playing like he's playing, and for the Cavs to keep playing such shitty defense. And this is perfect, day eh? If you're a Raptors fan and you're watching this, I don't care that it's 2-0. You watch Cleveland play. They're winning by offense. Their defense is shit. Mm-hmm. It's just not there. Right? Uh, and Paul, you know what? And Brian, I, I got to give it to you. Brand, Brandon, I got to give it to you. You, Your opinion on Paul George is spot on. The guy is special. And watching him play against LeBron brings out the best. You can only do so much, though, especially when you have no supporting cast around you, especially when your second best player is a guy just recently who was on a 10-day contract with Minnesota. I love watching Larry Bird. <laughs> in the st- he sits in he sits in the stands. Eh? He doesn't watch from like a booth or whatever. He sits in the stands, and there's always fans around him just taunting him. And Bird just stares just directly out into the court, pays no mind with a permanent like American bulldog snarl. Yeah, I love it. He uh, no, I I'm Cavs in six, Cavs in five, Cavs in five. I think it's going to be Cavs in four. I just don't. I, you, I can't. You think I can't see Indiana take a game, taking a game from the Cavaliers. I think they'll series. get one in Indiana. That's a hard. That's a big basketball environment. I think they'll get one with a sweep. Though is this the end of the Paul George era in Indiana? No, only Paul George knows that, brother. Right. Only Paul George knows that. I, I, I hope not. Like they now with Stevenson back to have their identity back. That's what they needed. They. That's what they needed. Now with Stevenson, him, Turner. Sorry, Jeff Teague. Not, uh, yeah, uh, Teague. Who, Miles um, Turner. No, 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 no. What's his Al name? Jefferson, Montellus. The young man, Th- Thaddeus Young. Thaddeus Young. With him, too. They got a nice little group there. I think they should keep building it. Well, that was one of the biggest I would hate to see him go to L.A., Yo, just go to the Lakers. Ever since Thad Young broke his wrist or had that wrist injury, what, three weeks ago, his, he's what, attempted maybe one three-point shot a game. That was the biggest improvement in his game this season. You know, Thaddeus Young developed an outside shot, and, you know, that's one of the biggest issues as to why, you know, Pacers can't compete with the Cavaliers right now. Is that the lack of outside shot, be able to stretch a four with a guy like Thad Young? You know what? They're competing. They just don't quite have enough. Yeah. Moving on to uh, one of the marquee games on last night, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets. Oh. Also, Westbrook put up uh, oh. insane numbers, but had a pretty interesting spin on his performance uh, in the press conference at the end of the game, essentially insinuating stats don't mean shit, they lost the game. What were your impressions of the game? 
What did James Harden kind of pull ahead of Russell Westbrook as the MVP, even though we are not considering playoffs in the conversation, or is it still Russell wait, Westbrook? Wait, wait, you? you're you're asking me, did James Harden pull ahead of Russell Westbrook as the MVP in a game where Russell Westbrook broke the record for most points in a playoff triple double with 51? He went four for 18 mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter because he's fucking tired, man. Right? Look, look, I'm watching TNT. And I got Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith just hating, eh? They're always hating on younger players. He broke Barkley's record. And Barkley's hating on him. Talking about, oh, it was a fun game to watch until the end. Well, yeah, you know what? He took some ill-advised shots. But when you're, when you got, look, he had a triple-double in the first half. Like, when you're feeling good and he's, uh, you let him do what he wants. Look, should he have passed the ball a little more? Yes. But mind you, I mean, I know you think that Adams and Oladipo are great. They're great. They're good, but offensively, they're just a weak team offensively. There's not a lot to help him. Because they're, they're, like, the Rockets, those guys chuck up threes from five feet out, no problem, man. Every time down the court. And it's like, you gotta have a good shooter. There's no one on Oklahoma City that can shoot. You're right. The team is kind of bereft of any secondary option whatsoever. You know, Victor Oladipo is a fantastic player, but again, he doesn't have an outside shot. He's, and he's a good player. He's not a fantastic same, player. Well, he's very similar from the same vein of Russell Westbrook. He needs to have the ball in his hands to facilitate yeah. the offense or yeah. perform in general. And he's not a good spot-up shooter. Right. And, and, and you have to pair Westbrook, because Westbrook's greatest strength is his ability to penetrate. He's he's not looking to shoot. He's looking to attack. Mm-hmm. He wants to attack the basket, and if you're in the way, he's going to attack you and the basket. Well, the big- and he needs someone... <laughs> right there to dish it to while he draws your defender. I just think it's over-aggressiveness sometimes a detriment to the team. Like, I saw Doug McDermott open for a three multiple times in that game last night. I don't give a shit what you think of Doug McDermott. The guy is an incredible three-point shooter. He's not making any effort whatsoever to include his players in the the fourth, he got a little selfish, yeah. 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 But if you're asking me, did that change the MVP? No, I think it's solidified that Westbrook is a force of nature. No, that's a fair statement. Moving on to the Utah Jazz and the LA Clippers, tied up 1-1. This is a series that me and Brandon have a friendly bet on. A little what was it, 5 a bucks and a beer? Waiver, $5 and a beer. Not looking good for me. Rudy Gobert is, uh, didn't play last night uh, for Game 2. Not looking like he'll play for the rest of the series. Greg, can the Jazz beat the Clippers? How can they contain DeAndre Jordan? 15 points, 17 rebounds last night. Oh, um, without Gobert? Yeah. Derek Favors at center. You I think he put Boris Diaw power forward. Um, what other options do they have? you got to foul him. He can't shoot free throws. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could foul him. Uh, they just have to keep him off the glass. Offensively, he's, he doesn't create much offense for himself. The bigger issue with them is, is containing Griffin, man. Like, we've said it before, right? If the Clippers can actually get all-star performances out of those three guys, mm-hmm. they'll, uh, they're a hard team to beat. Um, they're my dark horse to win in the West. They still are. And I just don't think the Jazz have enough. When Gobert comes back, we'll see how it all plays out. But obviously without Gobert, they're dead in the water. The Jazz, like, athletically aren't the most talented team in the NBA, but they have an incredible and head coach. And they're playing Lob City. They're playing a team called right. Lob City, and they're not an athletic team. Like, no amount of no amount of planning. You know, sometimes, you know, it's just about the the guys you got out there, and they're just not athletic enough to keep up. Jazz landed more three-point shots than the Clippers last night had substantially more free throws. I guess from a technical perspective or on-court perspective, the team played fantastic. It's just... No, without Gobert, they, 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 they don't have No, enough. but they literally played the best possible basketball they could play last night without Rudy Gobert. And it's making me think that I don't lost. think they have a chance whatsoever against the Clippers without Rudy Gobert, which also makes me think that Rudy Gobert should be the consensus defensive player of the year, <laughs> considering that if he's out of the goddamn game and the team can't even perform because of... 
Yeah, you convinced me last week, though, to give that award to Draymond Green, and I'm going to stick with it. No, no, I'm just kind of bringing out the you know, oppositional view that I think Rudy Gobert is, if he won He's, it, I wouldn't be that thrown off by him winning the award. Yeah, it's going to be interesting when he comes back to see if that can, you know, add a little extra drama to that matchup. Absolutely. Going into the uh, top seed... Golden State Warriors without Kevin Durant beating Whoa. the Portland Trailblazers. The most alarming thing about that game last night was that Javali McGee had would have had that most amount of points for the Trailblazers. He had 15 points last night off the bench for the Golden State Warriors. I think the highest scoring player for the Trailblazers was Maurice <laughs> Harkless at 15 as well. That's disgraceful. Yeah, yeah, not much to say, man. Trailblazers have any shot, especially what? without Josef Nurchik with a broken leg. No. I don't even think this is worth talking about. Plain and simple. And another matchup we don't want to talk about, the San Antonio Spurs. I and do. It's the be- Memphis hey, Grizzlies. That's no, become that's become the uh, a, a quite an, a, an entertaining series now. No, to watch. no, you're absolutely right. And truly the behest of the head coach for sure, who, you know... Uh, he flipped out, it, man. It, right or wrong, though, that team needed that sort of verbal jolt. You know what I mean? Someone to kind of step in and say, you know, like kind of you know, give them some sort of glimmer of hope or enthusiasm or something. You know what I mean? Like you're playing the fucking Spurs... As a coach, yeah. right, you're, you're you're trying to motivate your team in any way you can, and also uh, psychologically impact, um, you know, the nature of the refereeing, right? So, I mean, if you're David uh, Fisdale, by doing that, it's more performative, mm-hmm. right? Um, he's trying to to get those calls for next game. Uh, has the NBA find him? $30,000, and my Memphis God. Grizzlies said that they're going to pay for that fine. All the players on the team said they're going to pay for that fine. Yeah, right, and that's the thing. So by doing that too, now he's got his player support, and it's 2-0 for San Antonio, and they're going to go into the grindhouse, right. and they're going to put pressure on the rest to let them play their bully ball. So as a head coach, you kind of agree with this tactic as like yep. uh, an effort of increased motivation. Oh, yeah. I mean... I also think he was just pissed off. Like, if you watch the game, there were some legitimate missed calls. The Spurs uh, have the, you know, they're the pride of the NBA. They're they're, they're the golden, you know, they're the golden boys. Um, uh, You know, Greg Popovich walks on water. He can do no wrong. So, obviously, that's going to play into the series. And it's frustrating as a coach when you're seeing your guys work for you Mm -hmm. and you're not getting the benefit of the doubt. Right. Right. No, it's. I, I don't think the Grizzlies can win this series purely based on the lack of depth at the shooting guard. Tony Allen's out for the series. Chandler Parsons can barely play anymore. You know, they're running out undrafted Wayne Selden at shooting guard and Andrew Harrison, who's, what, shooting 350 field goal right now? You, yeah. you can't compete with the San Antonio Spurs when you're putting out guys who realistically shouldn't even be in the fucking NBA in the first place. Yeah, the Spurs uh, are probably going to take it in five. That's a hot take by Greg Yershotis. Guys, we got the game on tonight. Toronto Raptors game three in Milwaukee. We're going to rush this out. Greg, do you have anything else to add before I say my goodbyes? Yeah, I'd like to see a hard-fought win tonight in Milwaukee so that we can close this thing out when we get back to Toronto. Absolutely. Guys, thank you very, very much. Thank you for joining us, Ben Gwillem, as well. Benny, thank you, buddy. Have a good night, guys.